this week has seen a new appointment of our democratic government elected. This time with no attachments and no appendix. Like we had in the last long parliament. The Liberal Democrats, like all the other parties, are going to have to find a new jockey to ride their horse. Amen? It's amazing how many leaders fell on their own sword in this election. God has a way of sifting out what he needs. Listen, I'm not standing in as, as a Tory. The only Tory I like is Yaya. Right? That's the only Tory I like. And he's not playing well neither. <laughs> But the thing is, that's original. I was good, that. I thought I was good. I thought I was very good, that. And he's 90% uncertain. <laughs> or his agent is. Anyway, the point is, I'm not trying to stand here as a toddy because I'm not neither. I'm standing here as, as a man who believes our nation needs to get back under one almighty God and be led into the things of God. Amen. We need a righteous government. I'm not blue. I'm not red. I'm not yellow. I'm not green. I'm not UKIP. I'm kingdom. That's the only party I run for. Kingdom. Now I know a kingdom vote has to be put into one of those votes. That's for me to know and you to wonder. Okay. You see, God's government is not democratic. God's government is theocratic. You can't run church like you run a nation. We can't all have a say. In a nation, you can have a say. You get a vote. Thank God we get a vote. Amen? But in the church, we can't run like that. Because God runs by a theocratic. He's the head. He puts a head. From the head, he then puts his shoulders. That's leadership. And from the leadership, the people. And he has a way of speaking and communicating to his people. And leading his people. But I really believe that God wants to get our nation back on track. And hopefully, under the Tories, and whatever your faith is. My faith is not in David Cameron. My faith's in God. That's why God tells us to pray for our nation and pray for our leaders. God knows we've got some numpties. God knows it. Every nation's got them. It's amazing, isn't it? They never predicted a hung parliament last time. And they didn't predict this one. God knows what we need. God knows what we need. And if, it's coming, if it comes in the face of David Cameron, then it has to be. I'm just glad it wasn't David Miliband. Ed Miliband, sorry. Miliband, as I call him. Why? I don't mean, I'm not about his part. I'm not about, I want a leader. I need a man who's going to lead me. Lead our nation. Not, none of them are godly. Just some are more, less godly than others. <laughs> Yeah? I believe the church is the most powerful government on the earth. And I say that, and you think, well, that's a cheap shot. That's easy to say. The church is the most powerful government on earth. I'll tell you why. Because in heaven, there is a parliament. Yes, there is. Read the book of Daniel. Daniel tells you there's a court, there's a parliament in heaven. Now, the church is seated in heavenly places. So we rule and reign with Christ. And it is the church that will rule and reign over nations. And it will be the church that sentences and judges the nations. Those nations that don't want to come under a theocratic rule. The church is going is to rule and reign. But until that day comes, the Bible tells the church to rule and reign on the earth. 
So there's a day when, we will, when, when every nation will bow down. But until that day happens, the Bible says the church must take its position and begin to rule and reign in Christ on the earth. Now we know we've got a lot of opposition. We've got a lot of opposition. How many of you know that? Last week we read Jeremiah 29 verse 11. And we said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. We said that through this scripture, we all receive hope and excitement. Don't we? And value and worth. Because God's saying that we're worthy enough to be used. He's got hope for us, plans for us. How many? Who doesn't want to hear that? But then we also said that this prophetic word was prophesied while Israel was in captivity. Jeremiah was a prophet who himself, God didn't spare the prophet. The prophet was taken into captivity with the nation. Now you see, apostles today want hotels. They don't want to be with the people. They don't want to suffer with the people. But Jeremiah, as a prophet, was suffered just with the same as Israel did. And yet, despite the nation being in captivity, Jeremiah never felt like he was a captive. There's a lesson there for us. Though your company may be a captive to what's going on in, in society, in other words, the economy, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. So there may be fear in your office because the, co- the, uh, the, the company may be closing down, but fear doesn't have to enter you. So you can be in captivity, but not be a captive to it. It's possible because it's how you think. It's all about how you think. And what we need to understand is that we all work for a system. Every one of us in here works for a system. Whether educational, financial, political, technological, administrational, whatever it is, we all work for a system somewhere or other. Yeah? And every system we work has its own structure, has its rules, has its structures. Amen? It has its philosophies, does it not? Every company you work for has its rules and its structure and its philosophies. It doesn't let you do what you want. It has a policy. Yes? Now, the trouble is, the structures and the systems and the philosophies of these companies that we work for, how many of you know, they don't always make us prosper? They don't always make us prosper. They make the company prosper. Now, if it prospers, hopefully we prosper. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. Very often, the structures that we work for and work in and around make the the employees some of the most miserable people on earth. More stress is created because of structures, expectations, philosophies. You have to sit down, give your appraisal. Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? They always want their pound of flesh, do they not? And how many people, how many hours are taken off or how many hours are lost throughout the year due to stress? Why? Because environments want their pound of flesh. 
You're going quiet. It's true. You should come and work for me. I'm not like that. Bill, is this working? Thank you. Deuteronomy to chapter 7. No, no. The first slide. The very first slide, please. No, go back first. Okay, can I use... Is this working? Okay, great stuff. Last week, I put this slide on there for us. Now, you, you, we sent out an email for you this week with the rules. Doesn't go on. It's got to go on by email. It can't go on Facebook. We explained that in the email. Not going over it now. Chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into a land you are entering, please possess, so entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Iversites, and the Jebusites. Seven nations that are larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. So you can win the battle, so you can win the battle, but you've got to finish the war. Hello? There's a battle and there's a war here it's talking about. There's a battle and a war. And in war, there's many battles. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Don't intermarry with them. Don't give your daughters to their sons or take your daughters for your sons. Notice he's talking about our family. They will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quit and, and will quickly destroy you. So there's a consequence here. If they don't do what God's saying, there's a consequence. In this battle, there's a consequence. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash down their sacred stones. Cut down their astropoles and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Seven nations that are stronger than you. Seven systems. Seven powers. Seven nations. Seven structures. Seven philosophies coming from every one of those nations. Every one of those nations had a, had a structure, had a philosophy. And he's saying that these seven nations influence and are powerful domains on the earth, and they're coming against Israel. So let's fast forward the story, or let's fast forward the principle here. Those seven domains, those seven nations are seven structures, seven systems or domains, which are called media, government, education, economy, arts, entertainment, religion, and family. Every one of those domains has a philosophy. Every one of those domains has a philosophy has a system, has a structure, and it's affecting society. It affects every one of us, and it affects the whole world. True? Come on, can you see this? They're stronger than you, but what they'll do is they'll demand things from you. This is what we've got to understand. This is why there must be a government on the earth, a church government on the earth. So in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, it says this. In the times of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never 
be destroyed. Now, we, there's another slide there, but I haven't got time to go into that, of Nebuchadnezzar. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. What kingdom do you think he's talking about? The kingdom of heaven on the earth. A kingdom that will never be destroyed. If you read Daniel, it talks about the, the, the vision of Nebuchadnezzar. There is a kingdom that God, that did, wasn't come out of the stone. God created it. And it's an imperishable kingdom. And it's going to sit on every other mountain. So there's more than seven, there's eight. Because Zion is the mountain that sits on all the domains. Now, I know you say, yeah, it's not just going to happen. There's something we need to understand how these systems work so that we can bring our kingdom into those systems. Do you understand that? This is what it means to, to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. If, you, if we're going to see God's kingdom come on earth, we must know how to bring it and where to take it. Well, thank you for the overwhelming response. We must know how to bring it and where to channel it. Yes? So Daniel says, by the time of those kings of heaven will be set up, that will never be destroyed, nor will there be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will ser- itself will endure forever. Our kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Our kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It will not be shut down, contained, destroyed by those mountains. No matter how powerful those mountains are, whether we call those, them mountains, domains, or structures, systems, if I use those three words, we know what we mean. If a mountain works for you, great. If it's a structure, great. If it's a system or a domain, great. But we mean those things. Yeah? There's no Julie Andrews on there singing the hills that are alive. What a sound of music. That's not the mountain we're taking. Okay? This is, the mountain on the top is the mountain of the Lord. Read your Bible. That's the mountain that will be established on all of the mountains. Zion. Hebrews 11 and 12 teaches us this. Isaiah teaches this. Jeremiah teaches this. Ezekiel teaches this. Zion is the mountain. Zion isn't a mountain. It's It's a kingdom. It's not Jerusalem, it's not Israel, it's a spiritual kingdom. Read Hebrews 12, it tells you about this. This kingdom, Zion. These kingdoms are earthly kingdoms. They're earthly and they're influenced by Satan. They're influenced by demonic powers. Whether you think it or not, they are. They Influence so that they can govern people's behavior. They influence us and then they govern our behavior. This is the issue at hand. Whenever these systems are allowed to be influenced and ruled, they will govern our entire society. Does not government affect everything? Right. So if you can break the family up, you broke society up. You broke society. If you can destroy the family unit, you destroy society. Would we all agree that our society is under threat because of families? If you, dis- if you attack the economy, the whole nation goes down. You bring stress, you bring fear, you bring crim- uh, crime acti- uh, criminal activities. 
All things are affected when these systems begin to be influenced. Last, was it last year? When, sorry, when was it? When Two years ago it was when we had the riots. How our nation was affected by the youth. How they, ram, how they rampaged and pillaged right through the nation. We were all frightened. Cities were going down like flies. Such a people movement, they just, they just instantly all began to rise up like locusts and just shot through the nation. That was demonic. That was demonic. You say, social media, get smart. Social media was just the outlet to fuel the evil. Before we had social media, it was newspapers. It was phone calls. Don't call social media demonic. Talk to the pillock behind it. Because if we say social media is demonic, so is a phone. So is a pen. So is a piece of paper. Come on. It's not the technology. It's the people who use it. If, you know, some people would take us back to the Stone Age. Some people just need stoning. Some people are so heavily minded that they're no earthly use. How many people remember and should still be praying for peace, protection, provision? Yeah? You all believed that, didn't you? You still believe it, don't you? Well, what would you, what would you do if I told you that the enemy also has the same prayer like that? Albeit he don't want peace. He wants protection. He wants progress. And he wants prosperity. Yes, Satan also wants prosperity. He also wants protection from, for his own kingdom. And he, all wants, he also wants uh, progress. The kingdom of God advances, so does the kingdom of darkness. Yeah? But what he wants to do, he wants to sacrifice the people in the system. Satan wants to sacrifice the people in the system. He's only got one aim, is to take as many people as he can to hell. So he'll do it whichever way he can. So... Romans 12, verse 2, this is the warning for believers. Now remember, we're all part of a system. We all work in a system, but the system doesn't have to be in you. This is the issue. Jeremiah teaches us this. Though the nation may be in captivity, we are not. The church is not. Or maybe you are, I don't know. Maybe there's certain sections of the church that's under captivity. But this part of the church is not. I'm not, I'm not a captive. But I know our nation is. I know, I know that every time our MPs go to Brussels, it's not good. It's not good. They're making rules and laws there that you and I that don't agree with the church. So he says, don't conform any longer to the pattern. What does he mean by pattern? System. Don't conform. I just turn it off then. Sorry, I thought I'd turn it. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Where? Of this world. This world has a pattern. This world has a system. When it's talking, I want you to see this scripture in a new light. It's not just talking about your thinking. It's talking about the systems on the earth. Don't put your mind with them. Don't put your heart with them. Rise above them. 
Just because they bang the drum, it doesn't mean to say you have to dance. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to listen, test, and approve. What God's will is. He's good, he's pleasing, and he's perfect will. Someone has to be able to test it and approve it. So many God's people do not know God's will and do not know his purpose, his pleasing will. That's why they're making all kinds of choices that's going to kill him. You don't believe me, do you? I'm glad you, I'm glad you don't, because I'm going to show you. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. Verse 2, I beg you, when I, when I came, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Paul's got to go and sort some people out. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. No, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and the patterns and the systems. We have a God that gives us wisdom. It gives us his word, gives us his knowledge, gives us his understanding so that we don't have to conform to the systems that this world is offering us. There is another way. How many of you have seen the, 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 the poster or the t-shirts with the fish swimming the other way? Have you seen it? The shoulder fish going that way, but this fish is going that way. That means to go the other way, you need to understand why you're going the other way. And you need empowering how to go the other way. It's not just resisting, it's knowing how to resist. Why are you going to resist? Don't just sit in your company and say, I'm a Christian. That's going to get you a lot of votes. So the systems, how they influence, affect, and it's an infect and affect society. The systems, they influence, they infect, and they affect Every one of you have been affected and infected by the system. Don't be so spiritual that you think you're not. And you haven't. You have. It's amazing how when pressure comes on, we go back to default. We abandon God's ways and we go back to our opinions. Our human understanding, our human reasoning, that's the systems. It's amazing how many of you have got a philosophy, you didn't even realize it, until you don't agree with someone. And then you create a philosophy. Come on, be honest with yourself. So 1 Samuel is a key into how these systems affect us. Let's read. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judge for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. Abijah. And they served at Bathsheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. What happened? His sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Okay? So all the elders gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, You're old, and your sons don't walk in his ways, in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead. Whoa. Leaders, such as all the other nations have. So what did Deuteronomy say? Don't do it. So what do they want to do now? They want to be like all the other nations. 
So now they've been infected, affected. They want to be like you who who. Yeah? So here we see, and the Lord told him, oh, let me go back to verse 6, such as all the other nations have, but when they said, give us a king or give us a government to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. Why? Because he already knew what Deuteronomy had said. Yeah? And the Lord told him, listen, you dipstick. Listen to what all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. They have done, as they have done from this day. I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, serving other gods. So they're doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for the king. And he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. So he's telling them. He's telling them already, guys, this is a bad idea. Don't do it. But no, we've got our philosophy. We want, we want, I think, my philosophy is better than your philosophy. My opinion is better than your opinion. I think we need. How many philosophies and how many opinions have we heard during this election campaign? Right. Are every one of them humanistic? We've not heard one party turn around and say, I'd love to think, I'd like to bring the nation back under God. We've never heard that. We haven't heard that. That's not good for politics. It's good for our nation, but it's not good for our, our politics. I understand that. And the Lord said to him, listen to all the people, that, what they're saying to you. It's not that they have rejected you. He said, this is what the king will reign over you will do. He'll take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. And they will run in front of these chariots. Some he will align to, the, to be commanders of the thousands and commanders of fifties. Others to plough his ground and reap his harvest. And still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and the vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give his officials to his officials and attendants. Your maidservants... Your men servants and your maid servants, and the best of your cattle, the donkeys, he will take for his own use, basically stripping the land. He will take a tenth of your flesh, a flock, sorry, and yourselves will become his slaves. In my version, it says slaves. When the day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. Oh, and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But people refused to listen to Samuel. They said, we want a king over us. They don't want Christianity. They don't want a prophet. They don't want God in the nation. They want another king. They are moving their hearts away from God to, some, to someone else. Something like they've already seen what they want. They've compared with what they've seen other nations so right now in britain we compare ourselves with other nations we want what other people have got do we not how many nations want a government who build their economy like the germans have gone quiet on me so many nations want their economy to be built like the german economy how many nations 
wish they had a system called the national health. Now you might you might live in a nation or you you live in a nation where it is and you think it's got flaws, but if you're living on the other side and you're having to pay for your health care, how many people want the national health? Loads of nations. That's why a lot of people have come to England. How many nations have built their democracy on the British pattern? When you have a democracy like Britain, the oldest, other nations have used our pattern. We want to be like Britain. And then when they get what you've got, oh, we don't want to be like Britain. How many nations come to England because they like the economy, they like what the opportunities, but they don't want our politics, our education, or anything else? So many nations are like that. The moment you compare and move after, you open up your heart to something you didn't expect. You can't have a bit of Monica, a bit of Jessica. When you, when you step in and take somebody else's pattern, you've got to beware that there's spirits attached to those things. I know you don't necessarily always see that. These are all human systems. The, rule, the, the rules of the earthly kingdoms become the playing turf for demonic powers to infiltrate society and the seven mountains. Let me say that again. These are all human kingdoms. The, the rule of earthly kingdoms become the playing ground for demonic powers to infiltrate society. Britain has become a playground. For demonic forces to move in. Can you see this? Church, can you see this? Our nation is up for grabs. Our nation is up for grabs. Put, listen, just put immigration to one side. Because not everything, not everyone that comes into our nation is bad. But let's look at philosophies. Education philosophies, political philosophies, financial philosophies, spiritual. Let's look at that, you know, the, the, the religious mountain. The religious mountain encompasses all faiths, not just ours. Our nation has never had so many mosques. It's never had so many temples. At one time, this was, a, a, you know, a so-called Christian nation. Now look at it. What did Israel do? What did he say to him? Smash down the, the altars. Because it's the, it's the idolatry in the land that sends the, uh, sorry, what takes the nation down. Now please don't think idolatry only comes from, from uh, Muslims or Indians or Chinese. What about all the churches that need to close? Because they, they don't even carry the gospel. They don't even carry the same Christ. They've made the church into so many things. Why? Because their philosophy. The moment the nation opens itself up to foreign gods, demonic powers are in there. And they will influence. And they will affect. And then they will infect. Wow. They come to infiltrate. To turn a nation. And again, Matthew 4, 8 says, again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain. The devil took Jesus. 
But what the devil couldn't take him was to the highest mountain. Couldn't take him to Zion. Why? Because he's not allowed in there. He took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Why would he show him the kingdoms of the world? Why? Because he sits on them. He sits on those kingdoms. What, think about it. Why would Satan have to show Jesus those kingdoms? Because they were his. But they're not his forever. Because Jesus is always going to sit on the eighth mountain. Or he does sit in the eighth mountain. All this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. There's the, there's the worship altar right there. Can you imagine if Jesus would have bowed down? Game over. Where did he try to tempt him? On the mountain. Wow. Jesus said to him, away from me, you dipstick. For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. A higher authority came. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's not done a bad job with the believers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age is sat on a mountain. Then go to Revelation 17, 7. Then the angel said to him, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads. One for every mountain. Who is it? The beast. She rides on the mountain. On the mountains. The beast. Where's the beast from? The pit. She rides on the mountains. Every mountain that we work for, there's a beast. But thank God, there's a God. There's a God. I'm not frightened of these mountains because Christ in me is the hope of glory. It's Christ in me. I've worked in these mountains just like you work in these mountains. We don't all of a sudden panic now just because we know there's a beast up there. Greater is he that is in you than he the one. That's in your company. Amen? This is what she says. She rides with seven heads. Whoa, she's got to be one ugly dude. She's probably got rollers on. Rollers in her hair. Which she saw once. Now he's not. And will come up out of the abyss. That's where she comes from. And goes and go to his destruction. The, inhabit the inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished. Wow. When they see the beast, because he once was, now he's not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. Sorry, ladies, it's a woman. I didn't choose it. The Bible chose it. But thank God there's a woman bride that's going to reign victorious. Here's one that will get your attention. This system or enemy will expose our sons and daughters to danger. If she rides on those mountains, and, and these mountains are demonic, as we know, she will go for our sons and our daughters. Read Samuel. Samuel's the key scripture. In, in verse 11 of, of Samuel, he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. This is why the church in England has to have, has to rise up 
so that our king is is reigning in England. Because if we don't, there's another king who wants to do some things. But there's a king who said this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the key scripture for us, your kingdom come. It's not when we all die, it's now. God wants his kingdom on the earth. Why? And not only does he want it on the earth, he wants it to reflect the pattern that is in heaven. The pattern that is in heaven, he says, bring it down to earth. Why? Because there's a a job, there there is a purpose and an assignment for the church on the earth. The enemy's also got a purpose and an assignment to bring death and destruction. But the kingdom is to bring life and life more abundantly. This is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve his chariots and horses. These systems are full of chariots. They're going somewhere. Though our sons and daughters will have secure positions and places within these systems, they ultimately, because they become so attached to them, will go down when they go down. Come on. Don't put your trust. Bible says this. Some put their hope in some trusting horses, some trusting chariots. But we trust in the name of our God. So if you're using your company as a way to trust in that it will always provide for you, don't. Because these systems will crash. They will crash. We've already had a foretaste. These systems will crash. And if your hope is in that system, you're in trouble. Now, there's a lot of questions that will come in your mind as we're speaking. But you're going to have to stick with me to the end of this journey to get your answers. And they're not today. There's a lot of questions that come out of this. They will ultimately go down without this when these systems fail. Have you noticed that those in power seem to go higher? And those without power seem to get sunk in the system. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how the sharks always get away free? But the fish get swallowed up by the shark. That's called the system. You're just a number in the system. When they're making redundancies, the bean counter says we need to save this much money. We can do it by saving this much money. He doesn't see people, he just sees money. We need to save, let's just say, 100,000 a year. 100,000, how many jobs is that? Let's just say it's 10 jobs. 10 people's got to go. It's not personal. We've just got, the company's got to save 100,000 so these people can save their jobs. But 100,000, I know that's business. I understand that. But if your hope's in that system, you're gone. I understand that. If I'm running a business and I have to cut off the fat, I understand that. However, if my hope is in that system, I'm in trouble. How many people try and build a house on on, uh, overtime? Try to build, oh yeah, I'll I'll get them. Yeah, we can afford it. We can get that mortgage because I get overtime. Then all of a sudden the system crashes. You're gone. You're gone. The people will always, the the people above always seem to benefit and advance while the people below always seem to die and get sacrificed. That's the system. You may have been in that system somewhere down the line. 
Yeah? We must, we must send our children into this system. We've got to send our children into this system. Our children's going to get jobs. We tell them to go to, to college, school, work hard, university. Why? To go and get a job. Where's the job? In the system. We're not saying don't go to work in the system. What we're saying is that don't pin your hopes on the system. The system will fail. The system is demonically driven. You've just got to know how it works in your system. And then you've also got to understand how the kingdom has to operate. Or you'll always become a victim of your system. How many of you have lost, have changed your job twice in this year? How many have changed your job once this year? Anybody changed their job at all? Two? Okay. In the last three years, how many of you changed your job twice? David, we need to pray for you afterwards. But every time God's given him another job. The system will change. The system will always get rid of people and employ people. You're a number. That's the way the system works. You're just a number. I don't get, my system never sent me flowers when I was sick. It just wanted to know why I wasn't in work. Never sent me Flowers at all. Last one. The supreme head of the system is found at the top of the system's hierarchy. The supreme head of the system is always found at the top of the system's hierarchy. Verse 12 of that scripture, some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for chariots. The system protects those at the top, whereas all those below are indispensable. They can be appointed, redeployed, replaced, or reduced. But the system always makes room for the ones at the top. Have you noticed that? The higher you go, it seems the safer you become. We can always get rid of foot soldiers. But it's the ones at the top that cost the company more money. If I'm paying someone 50 grand a year and I'm paying him 15 grand, you'd think saved a 50 grand. <laughs> but then again, your company can lose his experience. No one can complain to them. Have you noticed? The structures are so hard, difficult, you can't complain to them. And if you complain to your, your, your line manager, your line manager doesn't always take your complaint to the next level. So you feel like you've got no voice. And then your class is a trouble causer. Yeah? No one can overthrow them, complain to them. Why? Because they built walls around them. Just look at the, 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 uh, what's it, the, the gas boys, the top of the ladder. Those who were getting the, uh, the money when they, when they put the prices up and they were still getting their shares price, was it? Was it share price or what was it? Oh, they got a fat check for their profits, profitability or something. And there's a, was it bonuses? That's it, bonuses. Now, we all thought that was immoral. But if you're at the top, the guy didn't think that. <laughs> but you know what? If he's got a contract, so it says that. He's got, he's got, but you know, some of you, some of us, I should say, some of them would think, you know what? I'll take it, but just not now. <laughs> it's not good for me to take it right now because the people will be on my back. We must teach our sons and daughters, the true value of finance, the true value of honor, the true value of life, 
We must teach them, guys. Don't, don't settle for just giving your children a good education. You must teach them values. Because if we don't teach our children values and honor and respect, they'll go the same way as everybody else in that system. Everyone will try and climb the ladder because everybody wants to be the kingpin. Everybody is in the rat race. Everybody wants to climb that ladder so they can improve themselves. But as they get up the ladder, they have to get in bed with systems. They have to compromise in order to advance. They have to give in, surrender, let go in order to be liked and accepted in certain circles. Oh, it's true. In every system, there's a language. You have to learn their language so that you can, light, you can rise up, you can get up there. Eventually, you'll get to the point of either your competence or your incompetence. It's amazing. How many systems have people that can't do the job but everybody likes them? And because you're likable, they don't get rid of you. How many churches have got people like that? How many churches have got leaders leading the people, useless at leading, but the people like them? The system will crash. But you don't have to go down with it. Coming, closing, finishing. Just want to read something to you. Church, we have to understand that we're all part. We all have a part to play on this earth. God has given us jobs, better jobs. God has given us openings, opportunities. But the enemy also wants to give you opportunities. We must know how to test and approve God's perfect, pleasing will. Because in that mountain, there's many traps. There are many voices. There is a seductress voice in those mountains. I'll show you that. It's seductress. Now, we all know what a seductress voice does. If you listen to a seductress voice, it will take you down and destroy your life. So I want to communicate to you over the next coming weeks how to rise in that mountain and stay righteous. Know the pit. Know the voices, know the enemy. Being in the mountain is not an issue. Not an issue whatsoever. We all work in the mountains. We just don't want the mountain in us. Let me say that again in case you're thinking, have I got to leave my job? No. There's nothing wrong with working in those areas. Nothing whatsoever. Everybody understand that? The issue is, don't let the mountain get inside of you. That's the issue. Because the moment it gets inside of you, you're gone. How many people have come here and prayed, give, look, give, uh, uh, I want the Lord to give me a job. Come on, church. Give me a job. So you pray for him, don't see him ever again. The mountain took him. The mountains melt like, at the sound of the, the voice of the Lord. The mountains will melt. But when people, Christians, want to get in that mountain for prosperity and his greed inside the heart, the mountain will take him. 
It'll take them. So we've got to be careful that we don't conform to the pattern of this world and the standards of this world. That's the systems. We'll talk a lot more about these in the next coming weeks. I'll show you how that beast, the reason why they call it a beast, she drinks the blood of the saints. Where? On the mountains. She drinks the blood. That is an horrific picture of what she does. What does the devil do? Steals, kills, and destroys. He prowls around looking. Right. You don't have to look farther in the mountains. Amen? But thank God we're going to Mount Zion. Let's stand to our feet. She's not going to drink my blood on the mountain. You have to decide. This is why this morning God spoke to us very clearly, very powerfully about his word. So read to us from Psalm 119. I read to you from Psalm 119. Pat read from Hebrews 4. I forget where Paul read from. But Revelation. God has clearly set his word in our midst. It's his word in our hearts that gives us his hope. Amen? So as long as his word's in my heart, I don't have to worry about this stuff. Because his word's going to keep showing me. His word gives entrance. Entrance. It gives light. Entrance so I can see. So you, you say, Lord, show me the pitfalls on the mountain. Let, tune my ears to hear the seductive voice. And as long as I've got the Holy Ghost inside me and I'm walking by the Holy Ghost and God's word is clearly set in my heart, I have nothing to worry about. Nothing whatsoever to worry about. All of a sudden, you're not, you're not just going to go, boom. What's been written has been written for our benefit. Amen. This isn't a dark, gloomy picture. This is a victorious picture. We win. Zion rules. Welcome to a Zion explosion. High visibility, maximum impact. Revival now. Arise, advance, accelerate, execute. Where? In the mountain. No reason to fear. No reason whatsoever. Why? That's why the church we see. See, the word, I'm surrounded by the word. Surrounded prophetically. I surround myself. I'm an agent of change. I'm living the days of heaven here on earth. The walls are speaking to me. The stones are crying out to me. The word is set before me. I can speak to the tree tenderly. Not a problem. So don't be going home tonight thinking the mountains are coming. The hills are alive with the sound of the Lord. Amen. That's the gospel according to Julie Andrews. Let's raise our hands. Father, we thank you that he who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We thank you, O God, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us. Thank you, O God, that you have got plans to give us hope and a future. Father, encourage us. You've set your word in us, O God. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. So, O God, we choose to live by the word. Not by our opinions, not by our philosophies, not by the systems, but by your word. Because your word overcomes. 
And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.